had a title earlier about talking about spirituality, and I thought, I don't want to talk about that. I don't know anything about that right now. And, but I had a whole stack of questions from the th service three weeks ago that I didn't get answered. <coughs> so I can inflict that on you for me to try to answer. I had a great time, and it seemed like y'all were pretty involved in it again. So if y'all bear with me for a few moments, I'll to respond to some of these questions that I didn't get to last time. There are quite a few here. I don't want to answer that one either. No. Okay. <laughs> the first one. Is it more important to be a minister for a minister to make his fellowship feel good or to educate them? Yes. <laughs> uh, what's preaching for? What is preaching for in the Unitarian Universalist Church? Now, for many generations, it's been an academic pursuit of, of a lecture on some topic. In the last 25 or 30 years, a transition has happened. It's been influenced by women coming into the ministry. It's been influenced by a move away from the uh, rationalism and, and the harshness of, of, of debate to something different. It's been, preaching has come, I think, I've been watched it and been involved with it and tried to be a part of it, it is a challenge for one person as sort of a, a leader to create an atmosphere of, of spiritual uh, environment within a community, to bring up ideas, to bring up questions, to bring up energies around topics that invite the congregation to be involved in their own r reflections and their own looking at the world and looking at themselves. So it's a little bit about feeling good to go, you're okay. Now get over it. Straighten up. Let's move out here. There's a lot of anger and a lot of hate in the world. There's a lot of hell out there that our love needs to be involved in. It ain't going to be easy. It's going to be tough. And most time we're going to be the odd person out. So what is the minister to do? To make people feel good? I don't know how to make you feel good. Okay, I don't do that. I don't think I do. I don't intend to do that. I want to share with you, reflect with you, mirror back to you the possibility that in the struggle to understand, there is grace and there's hope. Because there's no good answer that will work for you unless you validate it in your own being. So finding the right questions, finding the right frame of reference to know that, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of self-promotion around love solving everything and doing good, making things better. Well, that's the truth, isn't it? I mean, what is hate and division and, and, and a judgment and divisiveness done for the, the world? Made for wars? We keep killing people. So I, I, I went on a trail. I didn't know where I was going. But okay. You grew up in a different religious community became a minister of a different religious path. You are now a UU, a very different religious community. What brought you through this journey? Many ministers change their religious views but continue to preach. The dogma. Why didn't you? Hmm. I think that's a wonderful, great question. And I'm scared to death of it. I have felt connected with a power greater than me most of my life. I've never been arrogant enough to define it and try to describe it and share it, share it with anyone as the absolute truth. But I'm related to God. I'm related to the energy. I'm related to some, something that 
wants me to be with you asking and dealing with these questions. And as a United Methodist, when I studied Christianity and studied the New Testament, the Old Testament, world, world history, church history, I found that so much was what was told as the truth and the absolute was human made. And usually made for, made for purposes not very worthy and not very noble. About power, about specialness, about exclusivity. I read and I heard in my growing up about this fellow who knocked around with a 12 vagabonds who talked about everybody taking care of one another. And if you want to know God, if you want to know the holy, if you want to know the sacred, it's in the midst of the community when community is expressed in love and justice and care. If you want to be a part of that, come follow me. That was my invitation to participate in this relationship that I've felt all my life. And when I found a group that, where I could do that as a Unitarian Universalist, I sort of liked the arguments early on. I liked to fuss back and shake up my fist at traditional Christianity and say, y'all got it wrong. Why are you this way? Can you justify the Crusades? Can you justify the Inquisition? Can you justify burning those witches in Salem? That's wrong stuff. And you did that in the name of my God and my, fellow, my brother Jesus? Uh-uh. You guys are wrong. i got to do something else. And find a community that says what touches each of us and lifts us and blesses us and encourages us. It's the affirmation that we're okay, that we're part of the holy, that nothing can separate that from that love except our divisiveness and our judging of another person. How can we overcome our differences? How, we can, how, we can, how can we include everyone in, 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 around the table and love everybody? Well, that's the way it's given. We're given in different races. We're given in different sexual identities. No one is special and different from Dope Mansfield. I mean, everyone is special and different than I am, but they're part of who I am too. Okay. Do you think our church should be have more ritual? If so, any ideas of what kind? I don't think y'all would stand for much more ritual. Would you? <laughs> Just an honest opinion there. Because... Authenticity and, and stuff that rings true is dangerous. I don't, I don't want to say that that way. Ritual is a place to come in, say the words, and not get involved in it. Sometimes when things are spontaneous, sometimes when things are casual, sometimes when things are informal, it invites more participation. It invites us to come outside of our safe selves. And most of us need to be outside our safe selves and most of us come through this door here because we want to be outside our safe selves because this is a place that's different, that affirms some stuff that we can't find anywhere else, that says to us, how are you feeling today and what do you care about? What is your favorite part of our Unitarian Universalist religion? That most of us bend over backwards, and some of us, it, it, it hurts us to do it, but we really strive to be accepting people of everybody. And some people we just really don't like show up here. Not that I'll tell them about it. But I've been in UU churches where there are people that I didn't like. And there were people in those congregations that didn't like other people. But by and large, they tried their best to know, hey, they tried to walk the talk. They tried to say, you belong here too. Can we behave together? Can we act like we care about one another? Can we move through this challenge of being alone and at the same time being different but somehow create a community? 
And I watch us. I watch the Unitarian Universalist congregation. We are the friendliest, most open, most accepting bunch of folks I've ever seen. There's lot, some of us are hotheads, and some of us are hardheads. And some of us have been hurt by the actions of others. And it's hard to overcome that, but most of us stay with it. So the best part of our Unitarian Universalism is the grace we share toward one another, I think. Well, how would you all answer that? I'm tired of hearing my voice. What do, you, what do you all, how would you, give me, seriously, what is your favorite part of our Unitarian Universalist religion? Come on, help me out here, class. Freedom. Snack time. Fellowship. Don't discount fellowship. Don't discount that at all. That's, that's integral to the part. And I saw a cringe sometime when we have to cut it short to go some do something else. There's a, there's, a, there's a screening, we, uh, yes, there's a screening we do, but you're right. I mean, we sat around and talked to one another, and most of us are really patient and open and, and confirming of others' ideas and, 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 and notions. I haven't seen anybody jump on someone and say, you're an idiot in here, have you, lately? <laughs> have you felt it? No, see, not see. What is God? What does it mean? We are all one. What does it mean we are all one? What is God? Let me answer that one. You know, somebody write this down now. We get this recorded. <laughs> it's the creative and sustaining energy <coughs> that runs through creation that, expre that expresses itself in love and justice in the human order. That wasn't too bad, was it? That wasn't too bad. Now, when I try to write that, I get worried. It gets all convoluted up. It is the creative and sustaining power that runs through creation that is expressed in love and justice in the human condition, in human community, human order. Order, thank you, thank you. That's not bad. But see, what we've had to do, deal with, and this is where the atheism has come about, agnosticism has come about. We inherited a tradition in the Western world, especially in the Western world, that had God as some... Uh, evolution of the king, the judge, the external power that was always anthropomorphic, always human-like. Uh, he walked our, our stories, our creation stories of Genesis. It shows a human-type form walking in the garden, bending over, getting at the mud, breathing into the clay, putting the spit, spit together. We see all that in our formative years as kids, and we can't move away from the notion that God is some kind of uh, prevailing figure in the universe. And we have the Greek, all the wonderful mythologies that have the anthropomorphic, the human form. If we can see God, that energy, that power, as a spirit, as a spirit that moves through me and you, that connects us and connects us to all creation, we got something going for us. Because that is the redemptive gospel right there. Because if God is outside of creation, if God is judging it and making it and ruling it out there in some kind of celestial throne, then we're just sort of a play for her or his amusement. But if God is a spirit within creation, moving through me and you, through the universe, fighting back global warming, doing all that we do, it, 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 it is a living force that each of us can connect with and be a part of. 
We can't cry to them very well. We can't be held in God's arms very well. And that's where sometimes the hurt comes and sometimes the loneliness comes. Because we've got to look around for other God's agents and other people to be the caregivers for us. Because God's arms and welcoming lap is not out there. What does it mean we're all one? We're, we're part of the cosmic order. Ain't nothing added or separated. It's always changed in creation. Isn't that a basic rule of physics or somewhere else? Life's just changed, moved move through, changed. And we have to come back to remember that sometimes rather than... Okay. What do Unitarian Universalist funerals look like? Do we have any particular tradition surrounding death? There is varied as the family that's involved in it and the community that's involved in it. This afternoon at 2 o'clock, we'll celebrate the life of Jack Tweedle. My son Russell is here. He and I will make it sort of happen. It will be an invitation for people who remember Jack to speak about him. And, and we talk about it and we say thank you for the powers of be that gave him to us and the opportunity to be his life to be a part of ours. That's basic to, I think, every you funeral I've been around or been involved in. And we did that similar with Inga a few months ago. And uh, those are the traditions. We try to accommodate them to the, who we are. I believe in evolution, but believe evolution is too perfect to be just random luck. Okay? I believe in a supernatural force. What are your thoughts on the beginning? Well, I believe in a supernatural force too. It's just not supernatural. It's natural. The supernatural force is natural. It's part of the co it is part of this energy I was speaking about a while ago that runs through all creation. That we have in our creativity. I used to have an old rule: if you can if you can get chill bumps and tears, you're in connection with the holy. The sacred is available to you if you can have chill bumps and tears. And whatever provokes that, whatever it, it, uh, brings that out in you, then that's that's you're participating in the holy. It's a new child. It's watching your children grow up. It, it's in love with someone who just you can't believe how good they are for you and to you. Those type of things uh, make for that supernatural force. The beginning, I don't know. I, don't, I know that we've got five, six, seven, eight thousand years of sort of human knowledge that we can look at notes of what our ancestors have thought about. There's a lot of time way before that. Uh, I'm not sure. I'm, I'm not sure about the beginning. I think the end sort of worries me more. <laughs> okay, well, there's a couple more here. When you were a small boy, did you think you would be doing this in your older age? <laughs> what did you want to be? I wanted to be an editorial cartoonist. And I wanted to be that. But the ideas weren't that great. The skill was pretty good. I could do, used to be able to do great caricatures and had a lot of fun with that. Uh, no, I never imagined me doing this. And it wasn't until in my 20s that what I call my call came, that there was this need that I need to be working with people in a situation that dealt with big ideas in a place that cared about one another. And the only place I could see that was the church. I couldn't see it in school and education. It was a volunteer group who came together who tried to craft, craft a relationship one with another to wonder about the big stuff and bless one another and go back out in the world and deal with it. 
Now that sounds like an awful pat kind of understanding, but I really did conceive of that in my 20s when I started on this trip. And I was always curious about ideas and curious about sharing thoughts and, 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 and discoveries with one another. I don't want to answer that one. I, th I think that's all of them. Anyone got a couple more now? I got a, I got a minute. <laughs> Give me one more. Give me the best one that you can think of. I'm on a roll. Thank you. Years ago, there was a promotion in the Unitarian University. Many of you will remember it probably. There were stickers around. The question, you know, to question is the answer. The question is the answer. Well, don't, that doesn't tell me anything. That doesn't help. I was so upset with that motto when it came out because I didn't understand it. I don't think I had the maturity to do that. But the idea of being open to some new expression of a truth. What is a truth anyway? A truth is a hunch we can bet on and live by for a while. I believe that if people deal honestly with political, economic, relationship questions in an honest, caring way, I believe if we speak the truth to one another in love, we will find solutions. I believe that in any congregation, the opportunity to be confirming and affirming to one another is the greatest blessing we can share. And I believe we don't need to think alike much more. We don't even have to think really good right now. We just need to be confirming of one another in our terrible, awkward journeys. Many of us in this room are struggling. Many of us are hoping for, for, for a breakthrough in their own existence, in their own lives, their families. And if we can be good and kind and gentle to one another, that gives a long way to encourage us to be about what we need to be about. So I'm going to quit with that. And come in two weeks, and I'm going to do Easter, and that ought to be fun. Because